Hello, and welcome to the BTG Podcast. I am your host, Jen Fable of BTG Wellness and LiveLifeUnbroken.com. BTG stands for Bridge the Gap, and it is inspired by my own healing journey. After receiving seven different mental health diagnoses by the age of 19, I quickly realized that there was a massive gap between what I believed and understood in my head and what I truly felt in my heart. And no matter how many therapists I went to, I couldn't seem to bridge that gap until I found the tools and information that I share in my one-on-one private sessions, trainings, and right here on this podcast. My goal is to help you begin to bridge that gap by bringing you different topics related to mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. And in case you didn't know, this podcast is recorded live during my weekly Zoom virtual healing circles. These are weekly virtual gatherings that are 100% free, and no RSVP is required. So you are welcome to come whenever you can and stay as long as you want. Each week, we open the space with a candle meditation, after which I will share with you my favorite grounding practices and lead you through a circle casting, guided meditation and breath work, followed by a soul-inspiring gratitude practice. If you are interested in learning more about how you can continue your journey and experience my virtual healing circles in real time, please visit www.btgwellness.com circle and join my free circle membership. Of course, if you like what you hear in today's episode, please remember to leave a review and share the love by sharing this episode with your friends, family, and social network. And as always, if you have any questions, please know you can always reach out to me through my website at www.btgwellness.com or through email or social media. Enjoy the episode! Welcome to the Virtual Healing Circle with me, Jen Fable of BTG Wellness and LiveLifeUnbroken.com. And tonight we're going to talk about the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, and this is part two of a definitely three-part, potentially four-part series. (laughs) I don't want to have to rush through too many, so likely it's going to be part two of four. And my job tonight is to introduce you to the next three Sephira on the Kabbalistic Tree of Life. If you are just tuning in or just joining us in Circle tonight, you can go back and catch up on the part one in the last week's episode of the podcast. So why is this important? This is important because when life gets lifey and the feels get feely, it can be really helpful to have a map to help you find your way back to some balance. Now, there are lots of maps out there, and all of them are valid. Sometimes it just depends on what we're looking for in our map. For instance, if I wanted to wander around the city of Toronto, I could get a transit map. I can get a map of the highways. I can get a map of the side streets. I can get a map of the attractions. I can get a map of the restaurants. All of these maps are valid. And sometimes we want a map that has all of it in it. And that's the Kabbalistic tree of life. This is important because this symbol is multidimensional, which means it contains immense wisdom to help you find greater balance on your healing path. It is said that no matter how long you study the Kabbalistic tree of life, you only know a portion of it, because the knowledge contained within it is infinite. And this is important because learning how to begin to tap into this power symbol can help provide you with some guidance and direction when you're not really sure which way to turn. 
So I want to quickly go over the tree of life, which is different from the Kabbalistic tree of life. And sometimes people get these confused. So the tree of life, you may have seen before, it's generally a picture of a tree that shows the branches and the roots. They're often mirrors of each other. It can show up in color, in black and white, in different styles, different traditions. And it is symbolic of as above, so below. It symbolizes the interconnectedness of all things, the togetherness of all things. It symbolizes the importance of being grounded and buried in the dark in order to be able to grow up towards the light. And it's a symbol of strength and fertility and resilience. But it is not the Kabbalistic tree of life. It is different. The Kabbalistic tree of life is a very specific sacred geometry shape found embedded in the flower of life, which while it appears constrained within a circle, is a pattern that extends on infinitely. The circle represents the infinite part of it. The Kabbalistic Tree of Life consists of 10 spheres, which collectively are known as Sephirot. Individually, it's a Sephira. And each one represents a different spiritual principle, a different reflection or aspect or emanation of the divine. The concept of we are created in the divine's image is made up of the idea that the divine is made up of these 10 attributes. Each Sephira is connected to specific colors and planets and astrological signs and tarot cards and body parts and chakras. So there is lots and lots and lots of infinite wisdom embedded within this glyph. So we're going to scratch the tiniest of surfaces. Now, if you branch out on your own and decide you want to go deeper with the information and you start looking up things like Kabbalistic Tree of Life, you're going to notice that sometimes they place Shokma on one side of the body and sometimes they place it on the other. So sometimes they are flipped left to right. This is because different traditions look at it differently. So in esoteric hermeticism, we embody the tree of life as if we are embodying the traits of divinity ourselves because we recognize that we are the divine. In traditional Jewish Kabbalah, it is flipped because we are not backing into the tree. We are standing before the divine as equals and reflections of each other. And so both traditions have immensely powerful wisdom and often a lot of people will combine the two. And when you're looking it up on Google, you're going to get yourself hella confused, because I certainly did. So I recommend learning it one way really well first, and then go figure out how you can flip it in your mind once you have a handle on it. But in case you come across this discrepancy, this is the reason why you'll see them flipped left to right so often. So pick one and stick with it until you know it. Both are valid. Eventually branch out and bring them both together. So last time we talked about the upper... Sephira. We talked about Keter, which is the crown. It represents the highest that we can go in terms of reaching up into divine energy without having to croak and leave our human body. So the crown, Keter, is not the divine. It is not God. It is not the universe. It is not all that is outside of it. It is the aspect of the divine that we can grasp from our humanity. Anything beyond that, we can't grasp. As information, as energy flows through us, it moves from Keter into Shokma or Chokma, if you want to do it the traditional Hebrew way. And that is wisdom. After we reach this infinite field of potential that is accessible to us, we need a thought, we need an idea, we need wisdom enough to recognize, oh, that's a good idea. I can follow that. Without the wisdom, the energy dies there. Now, once we have that wisdom, we are meant to balance it with understanding, balance it with receptivity, balance it with the divine feminine. 
When we balance those together, we are able to create the Holy Trinity within us, a balance of left and right hemispheres, of male and, and female energy, of light and dark. And that part of the tree is connected to the supernal triangle. Now, there is one 11th hidden sephira called Da'at, and you will not see it on the tree of life, but it is directly below Keter and in the middle of that middle pillar. It is the abyss. It is the veil. It is not an actual sephira. It is a reflection of Keter, of the crown, of divinity accessible to humanity as a reflection within us. Now, because these sephira are reflected within the body, Keter, the crown, is at the very top of the head. So like a crown, it sits on top of the head. It's accessible, but is not part of the head. Shakma and Bina are on either side of the head, both ears. So again, symbolic of the balancing of the hemispheres, of left brain rational thinking with right brain creativity. We are meant to then use that energy to reflect the knowledge of the divine into ourself, and that's the hidden sephira, Da'at. So now we're going to move down the tree of life. So the top triangle was the supernal triangle. Now we're getting into what's called the moral or the ethical triangle. This encompasses the middle three sephirot. And it's the intersection where divine influences start to meet with our societal conditioning, where nature meets nurture. It is part of what creates our moral compass. It governs how we relate to each other, how we create and our place within the greater societal systems. Now, this ethical and moral triangle is made up of three sephira. The first one is chesed, which stands for mercy. Now, Hebrew is a multifaceted language. And so when translating it into English, it's more of concept. So while the more literal translation is mercy, what chesed represents is kindness and benevolence. It represents that grace. It's that benevolent dictator who allows his kingdom to run in tandem with him. It's about expansion and growth and empowering others. It's that open palm of generosity that asks for nothing in return. It's true unconditional love. It's true joy. It's the giving of oneself completely and totally. You will sometimes see this one referred to as Gedula, which stands for greatness. Those of you who have taken my online course and are practicing or have practiced the LBRP ritual, you will recognize Gedula as where you put your hand on one of your shoulders. Chesed operates to draw others near. It's about pulling people closer. It's about creating a culture of caring, of community, of connection. Now, you would think, well, oh, that's great. I just want to hang out in this place all the time. I don't want to go anywhere else. The thing is, is that mercy without any judgment or discernment will lead to us being taken advantage of. Boundless kindness, aka love without boundaries, leads to chaos. Mercy without judgment is anarchy. And so once we move into this place of mercy, of kindness, of expansion, we have to make sure that we temper that expansion with geburah or geburah, which is severity. And again, the translation is a little bit more fuzzy going from Hebrew to English. So what Gibberah really embodies is justice. It's judgment. It's discernment. It's the rules that you follow. It's restriction. It's strength. Whereas Chesed was all about expansion, Gibberah is all about constriction. It is boundaries. It is constraint. 
Growth without boundaries is destructive. In fact, when growth happens without boundaries in our physical bodies, it's called cancer. So we need to make sure that we are always balancing growth and expansion with rules, with constriction, and vice versa. If your life is all about making sure you follow the rules and have the list and do the right thing at the right time and judging yourself and judging yourself and you're not giving yourself mercy and kindness, then you cannot get back to the middle pillar. And that middle pillar, when you balance chesed and geborah, when you balance mercy and severity, kindness and justice, love and boundaries, then you access the next sephira, which is tefereth or beauty. Tefereth is harmony. It is the ultimate balance of compassion and discipline. It is the central balancing sephira on the Kabbalistic tree of life. It is located in our heart center. Every single sephira except for Malkuth flows into Tifereth. So it is the ultimate harmonious blending of all the sephirot, and it is considered to be the midway point between heaven and earth. Truly, the greatest expression of our divinity when we are in human form is by balancing chesed and gaborah, kindness and mercy with justice and judgment, because that is when we can create something new. That is when we can create tefereth, beauty, balanced love, a place from which all possibilities, all paths are accessible. Now you remember from last time that the most efficient path of manifestation is the path of the flaming sword, which if you're familiar with the tarot deck is the shape of the lightning bolt that smacks down the tower in the tower card. In order to navigate the Kabbalistic tree of life following this path, it requires you to move from the expansion of the divine, the part that is accessible to you. You must bring it into your thought and temper it with understanding so you can have true knowledge of it. And then you must go through that void, that da'at. Now, you can take other paths. There are 22 paths between the sefirot, and all of them are valid. And the fastest and most efficient path of manifestation requires you to jump from bina, from understanding, to chesed, which is mercy. In order to bridge the gap between understanding and mercy and kindness, you have to know yourself. You have to understand that you are a reflection of divinity. So you must move through the void. If your void is filled with crap you don't want to deal with, like your unhealed wounds and your childhood and your limiting beliefs and all the stuff, then you can't make that jump. You can't jump from understanding all the way down into compassion without having to take the long way around. So some key concepts to remember. Remember that mercy without judgment is anarchy. You are not meant to be boundless giving to everyone around you all the time and never shining your own light. And remember that justice without kindness is tyranny. And that's particularly applies to ourselves because we will often show mercy and kindness to others and terrible tyranny towards ourselves. And when we do that, we cannot create Tefereth. We cannot access it. Remember that in order to create beautiful, balanced love with self and others, we must learn how to temper judgment and kindness. We must make sure that we have boundaries in our life. And remember that a knowledge of ourselves is the key from being able to move from understanding into kindness and mercy. Thou shalt know thyself. By the way, da'at, that void, is located in the throat center, 
Uh-oh, still gotta set boundaries. <laughs> and as always, I want to remind you to decide you want it more than you're afraid of it. Knowing that you have access to all these pathways, including the fastest, most efficient path of manifestation. That is a powerful place to be. That is powerful knowledge to have. And how we decide to use that is part of our free will. And so just decide you want it more than you're afraid of it. And that's always the decision that will take you to the next step. And of course, if you have any questions about anything from tonight's circle or podcast, you're always welcome to reach out to me through either of my websites, either btgwellness.com or livelifeunbroken.com or through email or through social media. So um, how does this tree relate then to your, your chakras? I mean, the ultimate thing is to pull the light from above and keep in harmony. Um, and I think the, you know, the chakras are more, probably more well known. I wonder what's the difference? So it's not that there's a difference, just that they are separate ways of understanding. So each of the sephira do connect to different chakras. The difference is, so chakras are based on Eastern tradition, on traditions that come out of Asia and yogic traditions, it's considered to be white magic. And it's all about getting the kundalini energy, the divine feminine, to rise up through the center line of the body so that it meets with divine Shiva, the divine masculine in the head and creates love and balance. So whereas Eastern traditions are about merging our humanity up to divinity, the Kabbalistic tree of life is all about pulling divinity down into us while we are still in human form. And whereas the chakras are one center line through the body, the Kabbalistic tree of life, the Sephira, are not just the middle, which is the middle pillar in the path of balance, but it's also the path of severity and the path of mercy. It's the left and the right of it. For when we want to do shadow work, it's great to know that, okay, the throat chakra, what's the shadow side of the throat chakra? Well, we know that the shadow side of the throat chakra is all about lies. The lies we speak out loud, the lies we speak to ourselves. That's great. How do I actually balance that? What does that mean? When we look at it from the point of view of the Sephira or the Kabbalistic tree of life, we can see that it's a matter of balancing second and the third Sephira. We need to balance wisdom and understanding to have knowledge, not only of knowledge beyond, but knowledge of self, which is that hidden Sephira. So the Kabbalistic tree of life is a bit more of a multidimensional kind of symbol. And it can be reflected since it is embedded in the flower of life, which is an infinite pattern. That means that the tree of life also repeats infinitely. And so it can be used as a map of divinity. It can be used and mapped onto the human body. It can be used in the super, super micro and all the way up to the macro versus the chakras, which are only really about how energy comes in through the human form. So would you, would you then find um, if you're, tree is kind of out of balance. I mean, with the chakras, there are telltale signs, like you, you know, you feel it in your body, but how would you know that your the tree is out of, out of balance? Like what are you looking for inside your body? So the middle pillar is all about knowledge of self. It's all about beauty. It's all about foundations. If you're not feeling that in your life, you're out of balance somewhere. <laughs> okay. So it's similar. It's still very much a feeling in the body. 
Um, it's just more detailed. So in order to have love and beauty of opening up the heart center, when I understand that from the place of chakras, then I'm like, okay, my job is to open my heart center and give love. What the Kabbalistic tree of life is saying is that love given without boundaries is going to lead to anarchy, both inside and out. And so we have to, in order to have that love, we have to make sure that we are balancing the light and the dark of it, which is mercy and justice. And so often I find that people who are looking at the heart chakra specifically in more of the, the chakra traditions, it's really easy to forget about the shadow side, how we have to temper it, how we are meant to have some rules, how we are meant to have some judgment, we are meant to have discernment. It's not all supposed to be love and light all the time because we have to balance it because we're human. So it's just about a different way of looking at how we approach our world. Awesome. Cool question. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, so that last um, thing you said about the chakras, it reminded me of something. I don't know how true this is with chakras, but um, I saw something once on a little online quiz I did a long time ago with like chakras. And, like, how open are, are you too open or are you too closed or are you just right and kind of finding that path, you know, of balance? Um, is that kind of similar to like the tree of life? Like it's like that kind of thing where it's like you can be too much of this, you could be too closed. You want to find that kind of that middle ground. Absolutely. And what the Kabbalistic tree of life does is it gives you names for how to actually do that. So knowing that my chakras are overactive or underactive lets me know that I need to work on the heart chakra. But what traits in myself do I need to balance? So I might need to balance, you know, knowledge and understanding. I might need to, and because, or I might need to find a way to, to transverse the void. My wounds are getting in the way. Or I might need to balance my kindness with some boundaries. Whoops, I need to set boundaries around love, right? So it's not just about, hey, yeah, to balance, go eat some green apples and work on, you know, use like some jade on your heart center, ta-da. It's about, no, what are the actual attributes that we need to embody in a balanced form? So if I then look at my life and say, okay, I'm really good at giving, but crap, I'm terrible at offering kindness to myself. Now I know where I need to work. Or if I have, you know, if I have a lot of rules in my life, I need to make sure that I'm, again, balancing it with some mercy for myself. People who are like, I can't miss a workout just because I'm sick. I only rest when I'm, like, dead. Ew. <laughs> right? You cannot create balanced love unless you are reflecting that tree of life in yourself as well as out to others. That's why it's multidimensional. So I like the Kabbalistic tree of life because it just seems to me to have more information. Having the left and the right of it, the up and the down of it, the dark and the light of it, clearly outlined as the Sephira do, I find this makes it easier. And since there's 22 paths, it can be like, ah, shit, I think I'm here. Oops. <laughs> what do I need to do to get back to here? Right? So it's meant to be just some guideposts, kind of like, you know, for those of you who come to my retreat, if you go on the walking path, you don't have to look at the map the whole time because every once in a while they stick a splotch of blue on a tree and you just know, follow the blue paint. Kabbalistic tree of life is a way to know where the path is. That doesn't mean that you're not allowed to just wander around and explore. But sometimes we get lost in the woods and we're like, fuck, how do I get back? Kabbalistic tree of life is a map so that you know where you are relative to where you want to be. That answer the question. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. 
Um, is this something for you, I guess, for you personally, and maybe for others, do they find that this practice makes it easier to get back into balance quicker because it's more detailed? I personally found it made a huge difference to my life. The changes over time have been very subtle, but very profound. Uh, so I personally very much enjoy it. That's why I created the course, because I'm like, other people need to be doing this. It's super fun. Because uh, I hate yoga. <laughs> A yoga. I don't want, I don't find it meditative. It's a good stretch. It's really good for me, for my body when I need to give it a time out. But I don't find I can get into that place of receptivity when I'm on the yoga mat. Some people can. Awesome. For me, it doesn't work. Same. Yeah. So I like these ones because it gives my thinky, thinky self something to do while my unconscious mind connects. So for me, it's been really powerful and effective. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you again for joining me for this episode of the BTG podcast, which stands for Bridge the Gap, with me, Jen Fable. Remember, if you want to experience my virtual healing circles in real time, visit www.btgwellness.com circle. And of course, if you have any questions at any time, please know you're always welcome to reach out to me through social media or through my websites at btgwellness.com, or through my coaching website, livelifeunbroken.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.